honestly, my hope and my prayer for us as a people that we remember that we have so much more in common with our neighbors than the differences that we tend to focus on. We all hurt, we all have pain, we've all had loss. If we can look to our commonalities rather than our differences. You've got your Hello, and welcome to Agnes Scott College's new podcast, Journeys to Leadership, where we will explore the paths of inspiring women leaders from around the globe. I'm Leo Kediazak, president of Agnes Scott and the host of this podcast. I hope that through these stories, you, our leaders of today and tomorrow, will not only be encouraged by our guests, but will also be inspired to take the next step in your own journey. Today's guest is based in the city of Nashville, Tennessee, and is a powerhouse leader in the music industry. She began her career as a music therapist, receiving her degree in music therapy from the University of Georgia. She has worked for more than 13 years in treatment facilities, rehabilitation programs, mental health facilities, forensic units, nursing homes, and special needs schools and has worked with adults and youth experiencing homelessness, incarceration, trauma, and isolation. She has over 10 years of songwriting experience and has merged the two worlds of songwriting and music therapy to focus on one mission, to be a voice and a vessel for those that feel lost, forgotten, silenced, and who are hurting. She has six albums with the latest one, Live from the Sanctuary, that debuted on March 12th. Her music blends elements of roots, rock, R&B, and folk, accompanied by dynamic lyricism that uplifts marginalized communities and brings awareness to the masses. Through her work, she empowers her audiences, speaks to overcoming adversity, and instills hope in the hearts of all who listen. She is a phenomenal singer, powerful songwriter, and gifted music therapist. Please join me in welcoming the very talented Kashana Armstrong. Hello, Kashana. Welcome to Journeys to Leadership. We are so glad to have you on the show. Hello, thank you for having me. <laughs> on Journeys to Leadership, we want to know the journey of how you got to where you are today. Well, as much as we can fit into the segment. So let's jump right in. Um, where are you from? Where did you grow up? So originally I'm from Irmo, South Carolina, which is right outside of Columbia, uh, South Carolina. Um, and it just, you know, grew up in a little neighborhood, you know, surrounded by the woods. <laughs> so what about music? Was that something you started at a young age, something you always knew you wanted to do? Yeah, I started playing music when I was maybe in third grade, which is what, eight or nine? I don't know age very well, but... Um, I started with piano lessons. My mother asked if I wanted to take piano and I figured, why not? You know, I'm not a sports kid. Um, I tried Girl Scouts, wasn't good at that, you know, <laughs> and um, I started playing piano, which then led to playing the oboe. Um, I think in fifth grade, I picked up the oboe, which then led to going to college with that and led to um, learning how to play guitar and other instruments and percussion and whatnot. 
Okay, I am really impressed. <laughs> I played oboe for about three weeks. Stop it. Um, I, it's true. Um, but I kept biting off the reed. Oh, and they're yeah. like, okay, you need to go to French one. Um, something that you cannot destroy. So I am extremely impressed um, that you played oboe and, you know, all the way to college. That's yeah. fantastic. So tell me, when did you think about a career in music? Was that in college? Was that before? Did you always think this is something you would do? Well, I honestly, I think when I was young, I thought I, I would be like a band teacher or even thought about, um, I dreamt of being an orchestra conductor. Like, how can I be the conductor in front of a big orchestra, you know, playing in big theaters? Um, but then um, I think I just, when I was a senior in high school, I learned about this field of music therapy. And, you know, I, I had an interest in psychology, but I knew that, you know, I was the first to go to college in my family. So I knew that um, I needed a scholarship and music was the only way to really make that happen. So when I found out about music therapy, which would merge both my interest in psychology, but my love of music, it just felt like, well, let's go do that. You know, can you tell our listeners a little more about what does music therapy mean? Yeah, well, uh, the simple way that I define music therapy is the use of music to achieve non-musical goals, but also for emotional um, support and creative, a creative outlet. So, you know, we do a lot of work with people who may, you know, be dealing with surgery in some way, they're going through rehabilitation, or people that uh, might have had strokes and are learning to talk again. Music can be used not only as a tool, but as an extra support system to help achieve the goals of how do we get speech back. And it's something interesting where talking can be a hard thing for many, but when you put singing into it, it just registers on a different side of the brain. So a lot of people can sing before they can talk in full sentences, you know, and you can, and I think music is the one thing that embeds in our brains at a younger age and songs can stay with us uh, even until we're 90. We might forget our names, but a melody and a song can take us back. That is so beautiful. You mentioned that you started playing piano, that your mother had encouraged you. Is music something that your family encouraged and do they support your decisions to focus on that in college as a career and that career yeah well my dad was a guitarist so he still is he plays in gospel quartets back in South Carolina and my grandfather also played guitar in a lot of quartets um so I grew up hearing my dad play guitar like every night every weekend he would just play the uh the, the guitar solo from Lionel Richie's hello <laughs> Is it, you know, whatever it's me you're looking for? But I would always play that guitar solo and just practice, you know. So I grew up hearing music a lot and I don't think anybody ever, ever expected me to um, do what I'm doing now, which is being a singer. I think they all didn't even quite understand my field as a music therapist. They thought I was some sort of music teacher, but they always encouraged me. I mean, all through all of the, you know, recitals and choir you know, concerts, they were there and always supportive. And even when I stepped away from doing music therapy, they were supportive in that as well, which is rare for many to hear your child say, yeah, I want to leave that uh, salary and health insurance and go out on my own. <laughs> well, it's wonderful you have that support. 
And as you were thinking and growing up, clearly you had music in the family and you heard it all the time. Did you have favorite artists or favorite influences in your music? Yeah, I mean, every Saturday we had, we had like, I feel like Saturdays were our cleaning days. And so we listened to a lot of Stevie Wonder and, and Aretha Franklin. And my dad is a big, big Beatles fan, you know, too. But um, I latched on to Nina Simone at an early age. Um, and then also I loved Aretha. And I think a lot of my influences also were like, I was a huge Beethoven fan. Like I loved Beethoven. <laughs> that was my jam. I would just, uh, when I started to drive, I would just put in tapes. Um, that's how old I am. I could put a cassette tape in a car <laughs> and, uh, I would just put in tapes of, um, Beethoven sonatas and, uh, I loved the emotion in a lot of his um, music, you know? So yeah, I had a lot of influences that I think from like soul, old soul and gospel sounds, but also like in the classical world as well. Clearly your family had a profound influence and also the music had an influence on you. From Is there anyone that you really derived your strength from or something that you got your strength from along the way? You know, you never notice that when you're in it. But if I look back now, I honestly can look at my grandmothers and see how, you know, they have this like steel in them. So loving, soft, cuddly, open, but also like a force. And now, I really do. I wish I had asked more questions of them when I was younger, you know, but um, I do feel like I, I've gotten a lot of my strength and that's legacy and knowing that what they've gone through and the traumas they've lived through, the joys they've lived through is like that is running in my DNA. That is in my bloodstream. And I do. I look, I lean on the women in my family, you know, the the matriarchs, the grandmothers and my, my great aunts and um, my mother. I, I lean on them and just noticing what I get from them. But also um, even looking at my dad and, and his side of the family and how all of my uncles work in like the prison system and work in social work. So I guess the answer to that is my like all of my elders that is who <laughs> i've gotten my strength from my family elders aunts uncles grandparents and all well that they're so important in our lives and it's so wonderful that you recognize them and you also mentioned that sometimes you don't see it at the time but later you see how much you value what they gave to you there must have been times though that it was difficult can you describe one of those times or how did you overcome things that might have been difficult I honestly leaned on the music whenever I was going through some difficult times. So um, I didn't talk a lot. I was a very shy kid, but I could go sit down at the piano, close my eyes, practice, play anything. And I was no longer feeling sad, angry. I could escape to whatever world I made through my fingers, you know? Um, so Music was how I coped. Music is how I dealt with it. That was my escape. I guess that was like my healing as well. Well, I think it's amazing because I think you give that to so many other people through your music. Mm -hmm. 
Um, as we were chatting before the show today, I mentioned to you, when I listened to your music for the first time, I cried. Mm -hmm. um, it's so beautiful. And I think what you receive from music, you now are giving to others mm -hmm. as well. And we thank you for that. Thank you. Oftentimes, people don't think of people in the music industry as leaders. You clearly are with respect to your music, what you've accomplished, activism. Tell me a little bit about you seeing yourself as a leader. Do you see yourself as a leader? Ooh. Um, <laughs> I only see myself as a leader when I am in the studio or on a stage. <laughs> Just because it's it's on me to run things, you know? Um, but that's taken a while to step into that role. For years, I was in, you know, bands or orchestras where you are a part of a group. It is your your role is to blend, right? Even when you're singing in a choir, your role is to blend in. And so that's how I approached a lot of my work was how can I be a part of this team? So it's taken a while for me to learn how to step in front and be that conductor I wanted to be as a kid, you know, how to be that person in charge that's telling the rest of the band or the orchestra or even the sound the sound guy and the lighting guy what works for what we're doing um so i i've reluctantly but like i realize it's important also for other young women to see women like me in charge or in front we don't get to see um that often so yeah i mean i feel like I feel like a leader when I am performing, when I am creating, but even when I'm still doing, whenever I'm doing therapy groups or one-on-one -on -one songwriting, I feel like I'm more of a partner and a guide. Does that make sense? It makes sense, and but it's also the fact that you took the risk to step out front. You, how would you encourage others to take that risk, to, be the leader, the conductor, when they might feel comfortable in another spot. When you remove yourself and your ego, which is so hard to do, <laughs> right? But to remove yourself and your ego from that equation and know that the music, know that your purpose, your mission is way bigger than any individual. And so when you are stepping out front, it is to provide an experience. It is to be a guide for someone. Um, I think the advice I would give is just trust. You would not be there if you weren't supposed to be. Wherever you go, you belong, right? And anything that does feel uncomfortable, you know, that is our opportunity of learning. And so feel uncomfortable, don't fight it, sit in it. Um, and that is just the first step into, you know, taking the reins and being in charge. And then you teach others how to do that and how to be in charge. It, it's a it's a beautiful answer, um, and you may have answered the next question I was thinking about. Um, but you know, did you ever doubt yourself, and how did you keep going when you did? Ooh, yeah, I doubt myself often um, still, and I remember when I when I decided to well, I remember doubting myself going into the field of music therapy, not knowing if I truly had the courage to, especially with what what populations attracted me like working with the incarcerated working in mental hospitals working with youth little kids still scare me to this day so <laughs> i i kind of like i don't have energy for that but um 
Yes, I've doubted myself at every new chapter I've turned. Whenever I've decided to take that extra step forward into a new role, um, I doubt myself. And sometimes, you know, you are in situations where you might not, you know, you you might get negative feedback and that incur that makes you doubt. But it's, it is, again, trusting that you would not be there if you were not supposed to. And there is something to learn from this experience, from this doubting and how to just walk forward through the doubt. Um, I think the thing that we all struggle with is sometimes we doubt, which I call fear, right? Sometimes we do doubt, but we let that guide our steps rather than letting that doubt just walk with us. Rather than being led by it, we need to just let it come with us into the next thing. And, and know that like the doubt won't last because once you do it, then the doubt's gone. You know, once you do it, once you've done it, then, you know, your, your courage, I, I mean, I feel like you've already won. <laughs> so yeah, I, I do doubt myself when I'm writing. I doubt myself every time I pick up a guitar to write for myself. Um, but I just have to write through it. And you do that beautifully. Mm, thank you. <laughs> um, what what has surprised you about yourself as you've gone on this journey? Yeah, I'm surprised I have a voice. That wasn't something I thought when I was young. I, I you know, you'll notice I never said I sang when I was young. You know, I only started singing because because of music therapy and because I had to learn how to use my voice with my patients. I've been surprised by my ability to lead. I've been surprised by my compassion when placed in very difficult um, situations and circumstances and even environments. I'm surprised that I have more creativity when I'm working with others than I do for myself, you know? Um, so I can create easily when someone else is in front of me and we're writing for them. But when it comes to writing for myself, by myself that's when the doubt comes in you know it's interesting you mentioned that you were surprised that you could sing uh, because to us we would say oh my gosh you know this is what she does and she does it so beautifully when did you discover you could sing and when did you acknowledge that you could sing mm. i discovered i could sing when i was um I think I was sitting in a class for music therapy where there was a course we all we took where you had to learn songs from like the 1800s up to the current time. And I think I was singing a song called Groovin, you know, Groovin on a Sunday afternoon. Um, and it took my my professor saying like, telling me I have a very nice voice. I have a very comforting voice and even singing old like folk songs. I remember him telling me like, Kashana has the voice for soothing people, which I was like, Oh, okay. So again, I thought of my voice as a tool rather than like an instrument, you know, and, and I still struggle with this voice. She's done a lot for me, but I still struggle with letting her be an instrument. You know, I was just in a session the other night where I was beating my doubt. I was doubting myself, beating myself up because I couldn't do all of the vocal runs that the other women I was singing with could do. I'm not, that's not who I am. <laughs> you know, that's not how I think of my voice. I feel like I really owned my voice as you asked, like it took maybe 
ooh, two albums ago, when I released the album The Ride 2.0, is when I feel like I found my voice. She then had some age on her. She had some rough edges. She had lived some stuff, you know? She had been through some things. So there was a gravel to her. And I learned how to use my voice like as like emotionally. Um, like how much I love Beethoven and how I could, I love the emotion in his music. I discovered how I can, I could convey anger by adding depth and a grit to my voice, but I could also sing very softly and still soothe with that therapeutic mindset. So I feel like it took, which was what, 2016? Yeah, that's when I discovered my voice, <laughs> like what she can do. <laughs> wow. Um, what a discovery, I have to say. We're so glad you did. Uh, you, um, you talked about going to college, focusing on music. What do you wish you knew when you graduated from college? I wish I knew that the road, that the path was not straight, that you can detour a little bit and then you'll come back. I wish I knew that what you study in college is honestly just something you add to your suitcase to take forward with you, you know? Um, I honestly thought I was going to be running my own music therapy program at a university somewhere. You know, I was like thinking already, I'll go be a, a professor at a, at a university and, or I thought I was going to be the head music therapist at a hospital running an internship program. Um, but then that wasn't my path. You know, I realized, man, you need to take breaks when you work in mental health <laughs> and you know, I, I wish I had known to trust my heart and trust, you know, also my gut more. And um, because I think about all of the uncomfortable situations I put myself in and how unhappy I was and how unhealthy I was too with stress because I felt like I had to continue in this on this path or in this field. But the moment I let go, this freedom came and I'm still, what's amazing to me is that I'm, I am now 10 years after I left the field of music therapy, it's coming right back. You know, I'm, I am able to see how I can combine my songwriting career with my music therapy career. And now I'm forging them together to, in all honesty, to propel the rest of my career forward. Dreams that I had of creating a nonprofit back in the early 2000s are finally coming to fruition. But I had to get off the path for a little bit. I had to wander around a little bit to get there. Well, it's interesting. Sometimes we circle back. We have to have experiences and we circle back. If you ever circle back to wanting to be a professor in music therapy, be sure to give me a call. Um, <laughs> as you do that. Um, but Noted. <laughs> and with that, um, what excites you about the future? Mm. What excites me about the future, I'm thinking big right now. So I'm thinking about the future in general as us, as a society, as a world, is that we are, there's an awareness, there's an openness. I feel like there is more compassion, but also we are seeing how easy, how easily our neighbors and our loved ones can just take kind of take a turn and how easily it can be to forget to have compassion for others and how they view the world. It is very, it is very obvious right now how there are so many different views of society right now. But I, I think 
when I was growing up, you never knew what people thought. You never knew what people, you kept that to yourself, right? But I think it's nice to be able to see that who lives next door to you has different beliefs than you do. Um, and learning how to have compassion for that, but also learning how to use our voice to bring awareness to those that are living in the margins and that don't feel like they're being heard and understood. I have hope for our youth because they are seeing this right now. They are really seeing, um, they're living it and they are, I feel like the youth are action prone where my, my generation is, we're the talkers. We can process it, but the youth are the ones that are ready to get out in the streets, ready to go pass legislation, ready to go and do like, do the work. <laughs> um, and for myself, I, I'm, I'm really excited because I'm on, I am coming back to my field of music therapy. I'm, I'm getting recertified and I'm, you know, on the, on the precipice of starting a, a, a business of combining my, my use of therapeutic songwriting with my, my history of being a music therapist. So, um, yeah, I'm excited for our future because I feel like awareness is prevalent right now. And when we are awake and aware, we have the ability to change our outcome. Well, it is it has been such a pleasure having you. And um, I will say you have provided such encouragement and advice um, and inspiration. And so I'd love to ask if you have any last words. Or of course, you're welcome to sing a little snippet of a song of inspiration. Well, I, I have this one song that's been on my heart, to be honest, for a little while. Um, it's been kind of my theme lately. And I, I, won't have to, I won't do the whole thing because I don't know how much time we have. The guitar's good enough. This is a song. Um, this is the very last song on my record, um, Listen. And this is, uh, it's called More In Common. And it is honestly my hope and my prayer for us as a people that we remember that we have so much more in common with our neighbors than the differences that we tend to focus on. We all hurt, we all have pain, we've all had loss. And if we can look to our commonalities rather than our differences. You've got your reasons And I've got mine us apart 
don't come every day no. They're like sun and sea at all Or like February So let's build up these bridges Oh, and tear down these walls, oh Lord Let's give love when we need it And be ready to receive it Cause love is binding us all We've got more in common Got more in common. No matter what you think, where you've been, who you are, we've got more in common than what tears us apart. I'll, I'll end that there. Shauna, <laughs> that was amazing. Thank, thank you. you. Oh, thank you so much for your time and sharing your craft with us today. To our listeners, I hope you are encouraged and inspired. Krishana's journey is one of many that we can't wait to share with you. Thank you for joining us. I also want to thank our producer, Sydney Perry, for making this podcast possible. I am Leopadia Zak, and this is Journeys to Leadership. Looking for more content? Check out Leading Everywhere the Agnes Scott College podcast, a show that shares the stories of the campus community students, faculty, staff, and alumni. Available on Apple Podcasts and Spotify.